0: volume two chapter sixteen of a charming fellow this librivox recording is in the public domain a charming fellow by francis eleanor trollope volume two chapter sixteen well you may say as you please mr jackson but twas a sight i shall never forget and one i don't expect to see the like of on this side of eternity said richard gibbs nor no don't wish to i should think put in seth maxfield anyway it was a wonderful manifestation remarked mr gladwish musingly there was a little knot of wesleyan's assembled in the house of mr gladwish the shoemaker since jonathan maxfield's defection he might be considered the leading member of the methodist congregation and a weekly prayer-meeting was held at his house on monday evenings as it had formerly been held in old max's back parlour on the present occasion the assembly was more numerous than usual besides the accustomed cronies and mr jackson the preacher there were also seth maxfield who had come into whitford on some farm business on the previous saturday richard gibbs and the widow thimbleby the latter was an old acquaintance of mrs gladwish and much patronized by that matron although of late mrs thimbleby had been under some cloud of displeasure among the stricter methodists on account of her fidelity to david powell there had not been to say the truth any fervent or lengthy religious exercises that evening after a brief discourse by brother jackson and the singing of a hymn the company had by mutual agreement understood but not expressed fallen into a discussion of the topic which was at that time in the minds and mouths of most whitford persons high and low namely david powell's preachings and the phenomena attendant thereon anyhow repeated mr gladwish after a short silence it was a wonderful manifestation you may well say so sir assented richard gibbs emphatically grunted out brother jackson pursing up his thick lips and folding his fat hands before him i misdoubt whether the enemy be not mixed up somehow or other with these manifestations i don't say they are wholly his doing but my brethren satan is very wily and is continually going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it even as in the days of job that's very true said mrs gladwish with an air of responsible corroboration She was a light-haired, pale-faced woman, with a slatternly figure and a sharp, inquisitive nose, and her quiet persistency in cross-questioning made her a little formidable to some of her neighbors. "'When I see a thorn-tree bring forth figs or a thistle grapes, I will believe that such things as I witnessed yesterday on Whitmeadow are the work of Satan, not before,' rejoined Gibbs.' amen said mrs thimbleby tremulously oh indeed sir i hope you don't consider it presumption in me but i must say i do think mr gibbs is right it was the working of the Lord's spirit and no other what was the working of the Lord's spirit asked a harsh voice that made the women start and caused every head in the room to be turned towards the door there stood jonathan maxfield rather more bowed in the shoulders than when we first made his acquaintance but otherwise little changed he was welcomed by gladwish with a marked show of respect The breach made between old Max and his former associates by his departure from the Methodist society had been soon healed in many instances. Gladwish had condoned it long ago, and owing to various circumstances, among them the fact that Seth Maxfield and his wife remained among the Wesleyans, the intercourse between the two families had been almost uninterrupted. There was truly no cordial interchange of hospitalities, nor much that could be called companionship. But the strong bond of habit on both sides, and on Gladwish's, the sense of his neighbour's growing wealth and importance, served to keep the two men as close together as they ever had been. "'I've come to say a word to Seth, that it may be made without putting you out,' said old Maxfield, with a sidelong nod of the head that was intended as a general salute to the company. Mr. and Mrs. Gladwish protested that no one would be in the least put out by Mr. Maxfield's presence, but that they were all, on the contrary, pleased to see him.' then while the father and son said a few words to each other in a low tone the others conversed among themselves rather loudly by way of politely expressing that they did not wish to overhear any private conversation that's all then seth said old max turning away from his son i knew i should find you here and i thought i would mention about them freeholds before it slipped my memory and life is uncertain i have put a clause in my will about him this very evening putting off has never been my plan neither with the affairs of this world or the next there was something in the mention of a clause in old max's will which had a powerful attraction for the imagination of most persons present brother jackson made a motion with his mouth as though he were tasting some pleasant savour mrs gladwish thought of her tribe of growing children and their rapid consumption of food clothing and doctor's stuff and she sighed two or three of the regular attendants at the prayer-meeting fixed their eyes with lively interest on jonathan maxfield and one whispered to another that seth had gotten a good bit of cash with his wife and would have more from his father twas always the way money makes money though rightly considered it was but dross and dust and riches were an awful snare and then they obsequiously made for the rich grocer to take a seat in their circle moved perhaps by compassion for the imminent peril to his soul which he was incurring from the possession of freehold property well i'll sit down for half an hour said jonathan in his dry way and took a chair near the table accordingly in fact he was well pleased enough to find himself once more among his old associates and if any embarrassment belonged to the relations between himself and brother jackson his former pastor it was certain that old max did not feel it when a man has a profound conviction of his own wisdom supported on a firm basis of banker's books and solid investments such intangible sentimentalities have no power to constrain them mr jackson perhaps felt some little difficulty in becomingly adjusting his manner to the situation being troubled between the desire of asserting his dignity in the eyes of his flock and his natural reluctance to affront a man of jonathan maxfield's weight in the world but he speedily hit on the assumption of an unctuous charity and toleration as being the kind of demeanour best calculated for the circumstances and perhaps he did not judge amiss i am sure said he with a pious smile it is a real joy to the hearts of the faithful and a good example to the unregenerate to see believers dwelling together in unity however much they may be compelled to differ on some points for conscience's sake "'What was it, as some one was saying just now "'about the working of the Lord's Spirit?' asked Maxfield, "'cutting short Brother Jackson's verbal flow of milk and honey. "'There was a little hesitation amongst those present "'as to who should answer this question. "'To answer it involved the utterance of a name "'which was known to be unpleasing to Mr. Maxfield's ears. "'Mrs. Thimbleby shrank into the background. "'She had a special dread of old Jonathan's stern, hard face and manner. "'Richard Gibbs at length answered simply, "'We were speaking, Mr. Maxfield, "'of David Powell's preaching in Lady Lane and on Whitmeadow.' "'Maxfield pressed his lips together and made an inarticulate sound "'which might be taken to express contempt or disapprobation "'or merely an acknowledgment of Gibbs's information. "'My, I should like to have been there,' exclaimed Mrs. Gladwish. "'Well, now,' said Seth Maxfield, "'my wife would walk twenty mile to keep out of the way of it. "'She was quite scared at all the accounts we heard.' "'But what did you hear, and what did happen after all?' asked Mrs. Gladwish. "'I wish you would give us an account of it, Mr. Gibbs.' it is hard to give an account of such things to them as wasn't present ma'am but there was a great outpouring of grace brother jackson groaned slightly then coughed and shook his head i never saw such a beautiful evening for the time of year put in one of gladwish's apprentices a consumptive-looking lad with bright dreamy eyes and all the folks standing in the sunset and the river shining and the leaves red and yellow in the branches it was a wonderful sight it was a wonderful sight ejaculated gibbs there was the biggest multitude i ever saw assembled in whitmeadow there must have been thousands of people there were among them scoffers and ungodly men and seekers after the truth and some that were already awakened then women and children they came gathering together more and more from the north and the south and the east and the west and there in the midst raised up on a high bench so that he might be seen of all stood david powell His face was as white as snow, and his black hair hung down on either side of it. "'I thought of John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness,' said the apprentice softly. "'I couldn't get to stand very near to him,' continued Gibbs, "'and I thought I should catch but little of his discourse. But when he began to speak, though his voice was low at first, after a while it rose and grew every moment fuller and stronger. "'Yes,' said the bright-eyed apprentice, "'it was like listening to the organ-pipes of St. Chad's, "'just that kind of tremble in it that seems to run all through your body.' "'The man always had a goodish voice,' said Brother Jackson. "'But that is a carnal gift. 'Tis the use we put our voices to that is all important, my dear friends.' "'He began by prayer,' said Gibbs, speaking slowly, "'and with the abstracted air of a man who is not so much endeavouring "'to give others a vivid narration as to recall accurately to his own mind "'the thing of which he is speaking. "'Yes, he began with prayer. "'He prayed for us all there present with wonderful fervor. "'What did he say?' asked Mrs. Gladwish.' nay i cannot repeat the exact words can't you remember joel persisted his mistress addressing the young apprentice the lad blushed up but more apparently from eagerness and excitement than bashfulness as he answered not the very words ma'am i can't remember but it was a prayer that had wings like and it lifted you up right away into the heavens when he left off i felt as if i had been dropped straight down on to whit meadow out of a cloud of glory well there's no harm in all that brother jackson said gladwish looking round harm echoed gibbs why mr gladwish if you could but have seen the faces of the people and then presently he began to call sinners to repentance with such power as i never witnessed no not when he was preaching in our chapel two years ago he spoke of wrath and judgment until the whole field was full of the sound of crying and groaning but he seemed continually strengthened and went on until first one fell and then another they dropped down just like dead when the arrows of conviction entered their souls and the cries of some of them are awful to hear then there was weeping and a kind of hard breathing and panting from breasts oppressed with the weight of sin and then mixed with those sounds the rejoicing aloud of believers and those who received assurance but through all the preacher's voice rose above the tumult and it seemed to me almost a manifest miracle that he should be able to make himself heard so clearly ay said joel it was like a ship on the top of the stormy waves now high now low but always above the raging waters there was a short silence those present looked first at each other and then at old max who sat motionless and grim with his elbows on the table and his chin resting on his clenched hand and did you really see any of the poor creatures as was took asked mrs gladwish of the widow thimbleby took ma'am took with the fits or whatever it was oh yes i see several there was a fine fresh-coloured young man who was a butcher out duckwell way mr seth will likely know him and he dropped down just like a bullock and then he stamped and struggled and grew an awful dark red colour in the face and tore up the grass with his hands such was the power of conviction and at last he lay like a log and was an hour or more before he come to but when he did he had got peace and his burthen was taken away thanks be And there was a girl, too, very poor and sickly-looking, said Joel, and when the power of the Lord came upon her, she went into a kind of trance. Her eyes were open, but she saw nothing. Tears were falling down her cheeks, but they were tears of joy, for she kept on saying, How thou hast loved sinners, over and over again! And there was such a smile on her face! When we go to heaven, I expect we shall see the angels smile like that!" and the man himself the preacher did he seem filled with joy and peace asked jackson covertly malicious why that is a strange thing returned richard gibbs with frank simplicity although he was doing this great work and witnessing the mercies of the lord descend on the people like manner yet mr powell had such a look of deep sorrow on his face as i never saw it was a kind of a fixed hopeless look he said i speak to you out of a dark dungeon but you are in the light give thanks and rejoice and hasten to make your calling and election sure those who dwell in the blackness of the shadow could tell you terrible things mrs thimbleby wiped away a tear with the corner of her shabby black shawl ah she sighed it do seem a hard dispensation and a strange one as him who brings glad tidings to so many shouldn't get peace himself and a more angelic creature in his kindness to the afflicted never walk this earth yet he's most always bowed down with the heaviness of spirit it do seem strange jonathan maxfield struck the table with his fist so hard that the candlestick standing on it rocked strange he cried it would be strange indeed to see anything else why this is the work of the enemy as plain as possible don't tell me Look at all the years I have been a member of Christian congregations in Whitford. Whether in chapel or church, it is no matter. Can tell me if ever there was known such ravings and fits and bedlam doings. And yet I suppose there were souls saved in my time, too. I say that Satan is busy among you puffing up one another with spiritual pride. Lord, forgive you, ejaculated Richard Gibbs, in a tone of such genuine pity and conviction as startled the rest lord forgive me sir echoed old max turning slowly round upon the speaker and glaring at him from under his grey eyebrows there was an awestricken in silence "'Our good friend Richard Gibb meant no offence, Mr. Maxfield,' said Jackson, looking everywhere except into Gibbs's face. "'I say,' cried Maxfield, addressing the rest of the company, and entirely ignoring the rash delinquent Gibbs, "'that these things are a snare and a delusion, and the work of the devil, and when them of more wisdom and experience than me comes forward to speak on the matter, I shall be glad to show forth my reasons.' why but brother maxfield i don't know now i don't feel so sure said gladwish on whom the accounts of powell's preaching had produced a considerable effect there have been cases you know in the early times of methodism and john wesley himself you know was ready to believe in the workings of grace as manifested in similar ways "'Don't tell me of your David Powells,' returned old Max, declining to discuss the subject on wide or general grounds, but doggedly confining himself to the particulars immediately before him. "'Don't tell me of a man as is blown out with pride and vainglory like a balloon. Did I, or did I not, say more than two year ago, that David Powell was getting puffed up with presumptuousness?' There was a low murmur of assent. Brother Jackson closed his eyes and uttered a deep, long-drawn, "Ah." like a man reluctantly admitting a painful truth did i or did i not say to many members of the society this man is dangerous he has fallen from grace he is hankering after new-fangled doctrine and is ramping with red-hot overbearingness you did sir answered a stout broad-faced man named blogg who looked like a farmer but who was a linen-draper in a small way of business you said so frequently i remember your very words and can testify to him this speech appeared to produce a considerable effect mrs thimbleby began to cry and not having an apron at hand threw the corner of her shawl over her face did i or did i not say that if things went on at this kind of rate i should withdraw from the society and did i or did i not withdraw from it according? sir said mr blogg i saw you with my own eyes a-coming out of the parish church of st chad's at ten minutes to one o'clock in the afternoon of the sunday next following your utterance of them identical expressions and cannot deny or evade the truth but must declare it to the best of my ability with no regard to any human respects but for the ease and liberation of my conscience as a sincere though humble professor there was a general feeling that in some conclusive though mysterious way the linen draper had brought a crushing weight of evidence to bear against david powell and even the preacher's best friends would find it difficult to defend him after that old max looked round triumphantly and proceeded to follow up the impression thus made and then I'm to be told said he that the lunatic doings on Whitmeadow are the work of heavenly powers eh come Gladwish you're a man as has read theologies and controversies and are acquainted with the history of Wesleyan methodism as well as most members in Whitford i should like to know what arguments you have to advance against plain facts facts known to us all and testified to by robert blogg a linen-draper now present and for many years a respected class-leader in this town well but we have plain facts to bring forward too said richard gibbs with anxious earnestness i ask you gladwish what arguments you have to bring forward repeated maxfield determinedly repressing any outward sign of having heard the presumptuous gibbs if this be not satan's doing i have no knowledge of the words of the devil and i suppose i shall hardly be told that after regular attendance in a congregation of Wesleyan methodists for fifty odd years man and boy but continued the old man after a short silence which none of those present ventured to break there's no knowing truly these are new-fangled days i cannot say but what i may live to hear it declared that i know nothing of satan nor can discern his works when i see them "'Nay, father,' said Seth Maxfield, speaking now for the first time, in deprecation of so serious a charge against the new-fangled days on which Whitford had fallen, "'Nay, no man will say that, nor yet think it, but my notion is that it may neither be heaven nor t'other place that has much to do with this kind of fits and screechings. I believe it to be just as Dr. Evans said, and he, a Welshman himself, you will remember, when he first heard of these doings of David Powell in Wales.' says he it's a epidemic says the doctor a catching kind of nervous disease neither more nor less and you may any of you get it if you go to hear and see the others though forewarned is forearmed in such cases says the doctor and the better you understand the real nature of the disorder the safer you'll be from it Seth was of a materialistic and practical turn of mind, and he offered this hypothesis as an explanation which had approved itself to his own judgment, not because he thoroughly comprehended Dr. Evans' statements, but rather because of the inherent repugnance of his mind to accept a supernatural theory about any phenomenon, when a natural theory might be substituted for it, and also as a neutral ground of conciliation, whereon the opposing celestial and diabolic partisans might meet half-way but it speedily appeared that he had miscalculated in so doing neither the friends nor the opponents of david powell would for an instant admit any such rationalistic suggestion it was scouted on all hands and seth who had no gift of controversy speedily found himself reduced to silence well said he quietly when he and his father rose to go think what you please but i know that if one of my reapers was to fall down in the field that way let him be praying or cursing i should consider it a hospital case good night gladwish said old max good night mrs gladwish i am glad for the sake of all the decent sober godly members of the society as this firebrand has left it before things come to this pass and i only wish you'd all had the gift of clear-sightedness to see through him long ago and cut yourselves off from him as i did richard gibbs advanced toward the old man with outstretched hand i hope mr maxfield said he that you will not think i meant any offence to you just now but i was so full of conviction and you know we can but speak the truth to the best of our power i hope you nor any other christian man will be in wrath with me because we don't see things just alike i know mr powell is always for making peace for he says we many a time fancy we are fighting the lord's battles when in truth we are only desiring victory for our own pride anyway i know he would bid me to ask pardon for a hasty word "'If any offence had come by it, and so I hope you'll shake hands.' Jonathan Maxfield took no notice of the proffered hand. Neither did he make any answer directly, but as he reached the door he turned round and said, "'Well, Mr. Jackson, you have your work cut out for you with some of your flock, I doubt. Like to like, I expect that ranting Welshman will draw some away from decent chapel-going, but them as admires such doings are best got rid of, and that speedily.' With that he walked off. I think Maxfield was rather hard on poor Dickie Gibbs, said Mr. Gladwish to his spouse when they were alone together. He might have shook hands. Dickie came forward in a real Christian spirit. Maxfield was very hard in his wrath. Well, returned the virtuous matron, I can't so much wonder, having the Lord's forgiveness called down on his head in that way. And I don't know, Gladwish, as we should like it ourselves. End of chapter 16